All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Leaf Morning Take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. Now we've got a fight started here right off the bat with Rosehill. 30 minutes of live, nonstop Leaf Talk starts now. All right, let's get after it. Presented by Botano. It's the Friday edition of Leafs Morning Take. Nick Alberga and Matt Larkin with you. Jay Rosso back on Tuesday. Larks, my man, how are you, buddy? Well, Nick, I'm happy to be here. I've got quite the skates to fill with Rosie. This might be the biggest drop-off in toughness you could ever imagine. <laughs> I'm a lover, not a fighter. I have back spasms this morning just from playing beer league softball. So, yeah, toughness is now at an all-time low. Well, I would say you're perfect for the Toronto Maple Leafs and the finesse game. And I think it's perfect to have you on the show this time year. Specifically, you do cover the Leafs. You're covering the draft. First and foremost, what's coming up at dailyfaceoff.com pertaining to the draft and the offseason here? Oh, my goodness. What isn't coming up? We have crazy comprehensive coverage led by our prospect analyst, Stephen Ellis. He's got mock drafts, draft rankings, profiles on pretty much every prospect. I'm counting down the greatest draft classes of all time at the moment. So it's lots of fun. And we're sort of in our our peak season at Daily Faceoff right now, if you will. We even found out yesterday that Matt Vemichkov is actually going to be in Nashville. I would not let that guy get in the plane to go back to Russia, bud. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, because... (laughs) I don't know if there's been a prospect in recent memory that has a a more kind of murky future and it just, it all relates to his homeland and how long he's going to stay there. The KHL contract, there's just the clutch that Russia tends to have on its prospects right now, but the upside is so big. 
And that's what teams are going to mull over, I think, in the days leading up to the draft and obviously on the draft floor in Nashville. Now, that less than two weeks away at that. Uh, sure, mind all, we got a superstar guest on today's show. Vegas Golden Knights director of goaltending, Sean Burke's going to drop by in about 10 from now. Also, remember to subscribe, tap that like button, leave us a review wherever you're checking us out at the Leafs Nation 401 here on YouTube where you could subscribe. Additionally, we're available wherever you find your podcast. Just search Leafs Morning Take. Don't forget to visit theleafsnation.com for the very latest in all things Toronto Maple Leafs, thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns. You can drop us a line in the chat down below here on YouTube. We'll get to them a bit later on the show. But for now, let's get over the boards. All right, Lark, so lots to get to. We can start with the crystal ball. I love playing the prediction game. I bring you in here. What's your expectation for the Maple Leafs offseason? It's interesting because, you know, if you look at what Brad Living did last summer, it was the most epic offseason maybe of the century. I don't think I'm even exaggerating. I think that was True. the trade of the century. And there's an expectation bringing him in. It's sort of a turnkey hire, an experienced GM. But I sort of was looking into the words he used when he spoke at his introductory presser. He mentioned protecting his players. He mentioned not wanting to make a trade for the sake of just making a trade. I think people tend to forget that his hand was forced with Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk wanted out of town. If you look at the core four, from what we understand, not one of them has asked to leave. I think they all want to be there. And I think that's really important to remember. So I don't know if we're going to see the big bombastic trade involving one of the core four members. We can dive into it in terms of going through each guy, but I'm expecting something more modest and maybe he's going to make some moves that upgrade the team's defense and toughness because that tended to be his brand in Calgary. But I don't know if I'm expecting this huge knock your socks off type of trade from Trilliving yet. Yeah, I think we're going to see some patience here, unfortunately, which is tough to say because there is a Stanley Cup window with this team and there are some question marks surrounding their marquee players. But that's the way I see it. If you want to make some upgrades on the back end or wherever you want to do it, you almost have to pluck from the core four. And it doesn't sound like they're going to do that. Having said that, I mean, I had Frank Cervalli on the show yesterday. I'm not sure how much stock you put in anything GMs say on a daily basis, specifically this time of year, Matt, where things can change on a whim. I always remember when Montreal pretty much told P.K. Subban he wasn't getting dealt, and two days later, he gets dealt to the Nashville Predators. So I don't know how much stock I put in all this coming out about Shanahan and Tree Living and how, how much faith they have in the core four. I think if there's a deal out there that makes sense, obviously they're going to look at it, but I think the most important part is to make this team better and get them ready for next postseason, right? I think that's true. And you never know what kind of deal might come along because it's not like you're just making trade offers yourself. You might get someone knocking on your door that you don't expect. And literally last week, I was talking to Yarmo Kekalainen, and GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and he talked about not wanting to sign any veterans to eight-year deals. What does he do the very next day? Exactly. He acquires Damon Severson. So who knows? Did that offer just fall into his lap or was he just giving me the runaround? Either way, what it tells us is you can't take everything at face value during this time of year. You could get a surprise offer that changes everything thing for Bradshaw Living. And he did stop short of saying something along the lines of, I will not move the core four. He didn't paint himself into that corner. He said they're going to explore every option. And the question is, you know, if you're getting offers for any of them, who is the offer going to be for? I'm going to suspect William Nylander. It's the easiest piece to move just in terms of the cap hit is smaller, right? And, and you're not looking at necessarily a core piece that changes everything about your franchise i'm not saying i would move nylander but i'm saying he's still probably the most realistic of the core four to get traded 
The tough thing working against them too is like what what was left, you know, by Kyle Dubas in that regime in terms of trade assets and capitals. Like nobody wants to trade Matthew Nyes, obviously. Nick Robertson, I think his value is very, very low right now. So what else is there outside of the some of the prospects they have? Because again, you look at who's out there in free agency. I'm not sure they're plucking from that pool. So automatically you look at the trade route, no? I think you have to, right? You look at the prospect pool. I agree, Nick Robertson, it would be a sell low. And I think there's probably some regret within the organization and not cashing in that chip when they could have a year ago, two years ago, when his value was at an all-time high. Now he's an injury-prone asset. Personally, I would still consider selling low. I just feel like he's got one of those bodies. It's just going to keep getting hurt. So I think, yes, you're not going to get the return you would have gotten a year ago, but I think you can still get something. There's a team out there. Of course, we've heard the Philadelphia Flyers are a team that might be interested in him. I would consider going down that route if we can get you a Scott Lawton or Travis Konechny as part of a bigger deal. There's also Topi Niemela on defense, of course, their top D prospect. But again, you look at what's coming down the pipeline. I don't know if you want to move someone who could make an impact as an internal candidate. So I agree with you. It's more likely to be, in terms of at least... The realistic possibilities, you're probably going to get teams knocking on the door for William Nylander. And I don't know. It's just, can you move out one of the core four without weakening your offense? It's going to be tough. And we realize, you know, looking at what happened in the playoffs, it wasn't team defense that actually sunk them. It was an inability to score. Yeah, and that that that's exactly it. And I put this out on social media yesterday, and I understand people rebuttaling with, hey, you know, it comes from the back end. That's what drives the offense, and I get that. But I think we're losing sight of the fact this team can't score when it matters most. So we're a couple away from uh, Sean Burke here. Just want to talk about the buyout window quickly. Uh, it opened today. It runs through June 30th. Uh, your expectation when it comes to the Maple Leafs, I don't see anything happening on the buyout window for them. Yeah, I don't think so. Of course, everyone likes to hop on the old cap friendly and play out the buyout scenarios. And I did a little bit of that this week as well. Um, a Matt Murray buyout is the one that people will be looking for, of course, today. Uh, it's not impossible. The first year is $687,500. But the problem is it's $2 million next year. And that would be year one of the extension you want for Austin Matthews and probably William Nylander as well. So do you want to burn that $2 million on Matt Murray? I don't think you do. Even though the cap is going to go up again, you're, you're basically negating the cap increase if you do that. So I think with him, it's more likely we see maybe a trade to a team that wants to hit the salary floor. Good old Arizona Coyotes are always <laughs> out there. Maybe it's the old Robota Island and suddenly Matt Murray tweaks something in off-season training and he ends up on LTIR. Some people have thrown out TJ Brody as a possible buyout. Year one, it's $0, right? Yeah. So I can understand the temptation. But again, this year's cap is not really the problem for the Leafs. It's next year they have to be really careful about. Plus, TJ Brody is an important part of that team as a shutdown defenseman. If you lose TJ Brody, you need to go find another TJ Brody. So that one doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And if anyone's wondering about John Tavares, that is a buyout-proof contract. It's $10 million plus in each of the first two years if you buy him out. Larks, it's just so funny how everything stems back. It stems completely back to the core four, right? Like everything, every conversation you have about this team stems right back to that, doesn't it? It does. And it's just because of the amount of money that they take up, right? So whether you're planning out their next contracts or trying to work around their existing cap hits, it just affects everything, especially in the era of the flat cap. And that's what everyone talks about. Of course, when those deals were first signed, it was pre-COVID. The Leafs assumed that they would have had a lot more cap space to build around. But in the end, it ended up taking up almost half the team's cap space because of the fact that we had that cap flattened out during the pandemic. And uh, looking forward to Nashville, looking forward to free agency. And I think the next month in general should be mighty fascinating for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Speaking of fascinating, 
I think they're still partying in Sin City. Got the parade coming up on Saturday. So happy to bring in today's guest, the director of goaltending for the Vegas Golden Knights, former Olympian as well here for Canada, and Stanley Cup champion Sean Burke. Berkey, thanks so much for doing this. How's it going, buddy? It's going good. Good morning, guys. Yeah, it's been uh, been a great couple of days, but to be honest, pretty mellow here around our house. So back to back to life as normal. I was going to ask you, uh, how have you been celebrating? You just strike me as a chill guy. Maybe have a couple pops, talk with your buddies. That's about it, eh? Well, you know, the, the the nice part was right after the victory, just being with the guys in the dressing room, the coaching staff. Uh, I had a lot of family in town. So, you know, once that initial celebration's over, we got back to the house here and really just had a nice mellow night with the family. And the, the next day we got together as a coaching staff for a couple beers in the afternoon um, I think the guys, the players themselves had a little more fun. Sounds like they uh, <laughs> got after it pretty good, which they should. But uh, for a lot of us with kids and that kind of stuff, uh, just back life back to normal here. Sean, a big congratulations from me too. Uh, and I, I've been really wanting to ask you this because if you look at the story of Vegas season and the carousel of goaltenders, that doesn't even include Robin Lehner, even without him playing a single game, five different goaltenders suited up for Vegas this year, of course. So for you, whether it's, you know, it's Laurent Boissois, it's Jonathan Quick, it's even Patera for a couple of games, it's Logan Thompson, Aiden Hill. Was this sort of a uniquely challenging year for you in terms of just constantly pivoting and working with different personalities and different styles? And how will you sort of remember this season? Well, it was definitely unique, you know, because to, to start the year, um, the goal team that we thought would be our, our players it turned out to be totally different. And so... You know, Logan Thompson did a great job for us in the first half of the year. He was in the All-Star game, and then he had some injury problems. Uh, we had picked up Aiden Hill with that in mind that, uh, you know, he had some upside to his game still, and he ended up, you know, coming in. Laurent Brassois had played the year before. So there, there was a lot of uh, – just a lot of uncertainty, but a lot of depth. And um, that was the nice thing is that everybody that went in – was uh, not only capable of playing well, but but did, and uh, and and it just showed the depth we had in our organization. So it you know not not the script that we had planned. Um, nobody would have ever predicted that we would use that many goaltenders and win the Stanley Cup. But I think it was a credit to our team. It was a credit to our coaching staff. Uh, credit to management that they had that much depth in the organization. So uh, in the end, it wasn't uh, it maybe it wasn't the script that everybody would have. But I tell you what, it, it doesn't really matter right now. It does not, because you're going to get that ring, of course. Be honest. Are you, do you feel like a proud dad right now, considering your body of work this season? I, I do. I, I feel, I, I just felt like, uh, not just the goal tank, just the team in general. It, it was a great group to be around. A lot of good leadership. Uh, you know, it, uh, it kind of reminded me in, in, in a lot of ways of the team in Montreal a couple of years ago yeah. with some of the leadership we had. You know, the, the Shea Weber was was Petrangelo. I mean, we had we had a lot of parallels of really good, experienced players. I think we had six guys on the team that had won the Stanley Cup before. Um, and what I was impressed with was, was that it was all business for this team. You know, as fun as it is to be going through the process, it wasn't going to be satisfying just to be close for this group. They, they wanted to win it. Um, and everything they did, they went about it, uh, was with that in mind, was winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, Sean, you mentioned that the cup winning experience. Um, I wanted to ask you about Jonathan Quick because, of course, you know, he's one of the most clutch goaltenders of all time. And he comes in to a unique situation, having sort of been left in the cold by the LA Kings. And 
I'm so curious about what it was like working with him because even just as an interview subject, he's famously a pretty intense and an ornery customer. He's really insightful and sincere, but he can be a bit crotchety, at least from the media standpoint. So I'm curious for you, when you have someone coming in who's so experienced, do you give him a little more runway because he knows what he's doing or do you still treat him the way you'd be treating any other goaltender you're working with? So that's the first part of the question. The second part, I'm, I'm just curious in terms of how he interacted with Aiden Hill and Laurent Boissois and what his impact was on them. You know, I'm so glad you asked me that because I've heard this from a couple of people and I've heard the word crotchety. Uh, you're not the first one to use it. And, and I didn't see any of that. I, I saw a guy that came in here um, that was a very appreciative of a chance to come to a team like ours after everything that happened to him and the initial shock of being, you know, traded and that, and that sort of thing. And he couldn't have been more of a professional. He couldn't have been better for our group. Um, I really believe that Aiden Hill at the end of the day, doesn't play the way he plays without having Jonathan quick there on the bench in practice every day. So his impact to me, um, you know, the, the Barbashev deal, was a huge trade for us that had an impact, but but Jonathan Quick had to me just as much of an impact, even though he wasn't in the in, in the lineup playing most nights. And um, for me, the way to handle him was really simple. Uh, we worked together. You know, he has a lot of experience. There's nothing that I needed to really uh, do with him other than just give him the ability to 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 be a leader, to uh, to know he was important to our group, and uh, he embraced it and did a great job for us. As we mentioned throughout this interview, guys, I mean, the story is surreal about how many different looks you guys had in between the pipes. And again, a lot of credit to Bruce Cassidy and his system as well. But like Aiden Hill obviously sticks out just the way he came in, Berkey. The fact that Laurent Waswaka goes down, Aiden Hill comes in. From your vantage point, like what what clicked in Aiden Hill's game to make him sort of that guy that we saw in the cup final who was bulletproof? And again, the D was great in front of him, but it's a body of work, right? Yeah, it was a confidence at, at a certain point in the season. And I and I I can almost pinpoint it myself. Uh, there was a game against New Jersey at home. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I went into overtime. I think he had to make seven or eight saves in overtime. He had an incredible night. And, you know, he was kind of on the cusp of playing really well, but he was battling a little bit of inconsistency. And I think he hit that point where it just clicked for him. And, uh, you know, New Jersey was a very offensive team, good young team, as we know. 
he stole that game for us. And I think the confidence that the team had in him after that uh, grew as well. And, and, and we all know there's the physical side of this game. Everybody's capable of playing well. But once you get to that point where mentally you figured it out, you know you step on the ice, you can be a good player, uh, it makes all the difference. And, and that's that's what happened with Hilly. He just the, the physical tools have always been there. Now he's got over that hump and he believes that, you know, he can be a real top goalie in this league and he proved it. Uh, Sean, I wanted to ask you just about the big picture of this incredible stable of goaltenders that you had this year. And, you know, we know that there's sort of, there has to be the end of something coming, right? Because there can't be room for everyone. And we don't know yet Robin Lehner's status for next year. We know Aiden, of course, is a free agent. Logan should be back healthy next year as well. So is there sort of a bittersweetness there knowing that, you can't keep every one of these goaltenders because if they're all healthy, they're just, there won't be room for all of them. Well, that's, that's a good problem to have in a lot of ways. It's uh it's more of a management problem. I think at the end of the day, when you're part of a coaching staff, uh, your, your job, or at least the way I've always looked at it, is your job is to help get the most you can out of the players that are there. And, um, you know, there's going to be some tough decisions here. There's some great opportunities. As you said, Aiden Hill is a free agent. I don't know where that goes down the road, but, but I'm sure there's other teams out there who are looking at his name and 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 having some things in mind as well. Um, you know, I, I think that again, that position is so important to your hockey club. Um, but I think we also showed this year that if you have a team that plays solid, you got veteran guys, good system. Um, you know, you can work other guys into that, provided that they have the ability to do the job. And uh, I, I don't I don't envy our organization for the decisions we're going to have to make. But for me personally, my job is to is to work with whoever's there and get the most out of them. So obviously, somehow, some way, this being Lee's morning take, I got to tie in the Maple Leafs in some way. But you mentioned your time with the Montreal Canadiens. You mentioned the Vegas Golden Knights and getting to that cup final, getting over that hump. It's been a massive, massive issue in this market for a long ass period of time. They won a series. Uh, just your experience level in Montreal and Vegas. Like what happens behind the scenes? How does everything you know come together? And what have you seen from that from that point of view? There's a lot of things. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's of course the players on the ice. You have to have the you have to have the players. You know, you're not going to go through and win a Stanley Cup with an average lineup. Um, you you need top players. You need veterans. You need game breaking type players. And lots of teams have those guys. But you know, you need some luck. We went through the playoffs without a lot of injuries. You know, we had an injury to our goaltender, Laurent, and Hilly stepped right in and took over. But we didn't have to battle a ton of injuries through the playoffs. Um, you know, we had an experienced lineup that had a lot of guys have been through this before. Uh, the team missed the playoffs last year. So there was a lot of hunger from guys who were like, wow, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a fine line in this league. You can miss the playoffs one year and win the Stanley Cup the next year. So I think for a lot of teams, it's uh, it's it's all those things coming together, and there's no guarantees. It's a uh, it's a really hard league to win in, um, but you know if if you have the team like we did this year and you get on a roll, uh, the great thing is you can go on and win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, and I think that's a prime example right there is the Florida Panthers. They seem like a team of destiny at an epic season. At the end of the day, they didn't win, and I think you're so bang on. It's so hard to win this trophy, as you know. Do you have any idea what that parade's going to look like tomorrow night? Like, how thankful are you, Berkey, that they're not doing it during the day, right? Yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> well, it's, first of all, what a, what a great, I mean, I'm trying to picture the, the, the lights of Las Vegas in a parade at that time. I and mean, oh. what, what an incredible uh, sight it's going to be. 
Um, you know, I just hope all our players make it. <laughs> the last couple of days, that, uh, there's any guarantee of that. But I, I think, again, for for this city, for the ownership, for Bill Foley, um, you know, I mean, to predict that the team would win in six years and then to be able to deliver for the league, well, what a great thing that the Southern markets now, uh, you know, you guys are sitting there in leaf country. It's it's the epicenter of hockey. But let's be honest, there's a lot of great markets, Vegas being one of them. The, the league has a lot to be proud of. So I, I just think we're going to enjoy it. We're all going to take it in and uh, hopefully we're all going to be uh, we're going to be making it make it out of there safe when it's all over. Yeah, hopefully coherent as well. Uh, Berkey, once again, congratulations, man. So happy for you and enjoy tomorrow. OK, OK, guys, anytime. Nice talking to you. You as well. That is uh, Sean Burke, the director of goaltending for the Vegas Golden Knights. And just uh, what a tremendous story. And it's kind of a cool, unique perspective. He was with the Habs a couple of years ago, and then he finally gets over that summit here with Vegas. Yeah. And Berkey, he's just had that ability throughout his career to unlock the potential of so many different goaltenders, especially big goaltenders. I find you look at what he did for Devin Dumbdick. And of course, Aiden Hill is a monster in the crease. And, and Sean was one of the biggest goaltenders of his era as well. And it's just it's a fun story to see, especially because in theory, and that's why I wanted to ask him about it, just it should have been an incredible challenge working with so many different personalities juggling so many. And you didn't even know, even in the playoffs, they didn't even know who their starter was going to be because of the injury problems that arose. So excellent job by Mr. Sean Burke. And many thanks to Sean Burke for hopping on. I, I just can't wait to see the sights and sounds of that parade in Sin City. I don't know how you close down the strip, but they're going to do their best to do it on a Saturday night, mind you, in the Vegas Golden Knights full value for that Stanley Cup victory, full value to Botano. The Botano wrap-up is presented by Botano.ca. The game starts now, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly for tonight. I'm going to look at the uh, Blue Jays game against the Texas Rangers. Don't get me started on how I feel about the Jays, but nonetheless, Kevin Gosman is on the hill against Martin Perez. I like the over 8.5 in that game, minus 125. Um, a ballpark that's been prone to offense throughout this season. Texas, one of the better teams. Toronto needs to wake up here. So I think we're going to see a lot of offense tonight. I'm taking the over in that game, bud. I like it. Texas has been probably the best offense in all of baseball mm-hmm. this year, just one through nine, whether it's Corey Seager now or Nate Lowe or Dallas Garcia. They just go on and on and on. They've been mashing. So I love the bet there, Nick. And I have one for you as well. I pulled out a surprise bet as well. I think we got to talk a little about Shohei Otani. It drives me crazy how little people acknowledge how special this time is. You see him cranking oppo homers 450 feet to the second deck two nights in a row. 22 homers now on the season. And he's been a dominant pitcher as well. I like him to homer again at Kauffman Stadium against Kansas City Royals. Plus 300 for Otani to homer. He has a 1261 career OPS at that stadium. Brady Singer on the hill has been pretty shaky all season long. He killed me in fantasy. I drafted him to be my SP3. He's got a 6.1A. 6.1 eight era at home so to me that's the perfect cocktail for another otani homer dude what does that otani contract look like and it's not going to be the angels is it it's probably the dodgers no or maybe it's texas right i don't know what's going to happen with jacob Degrom because you know that career is in jeopardy but i i think texas otani would be pretty scary as well yeah i'm just so curious when it comes to otani man like there's nobody like that guy you can't compare him to any sport you can't compare him to mcdavid like the fact that he excels both pitching defensively hitting it's 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 something we've never seen before since what like babe ruth i guess maybe 
Yeah, and he's doing things that even Babe Ruth didn't do. And the funny, like, it's not possible to make a hockey comparison, but it's funny no. to try. It's the equivalent of Connor McDavid had a hat trick Tuesday night while also stopping 35 of 36 shots in an Oilers <laughs> victory. That's the equivalent. It's ridiculous. And if that could happen in hockey, it would be just the craziest story ever. And I wish, I wish that baseball was as popular as it was 30 years ago because then Otani would be getting his due. But I think it's just not going to happen just based on where the sport is popularity was. Picture this Shohei Otani playing in the uh, steroid era. Huh? Oh my goodness. Imagine him in a, in a race with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, but on 75 homers probably. Yeah. <laughs> by the halfway point, by the all-star break. All right, let's wrap by looking at the chat. Everybody's on fire as per usual. A lot of great uh, words for Sean Burke, our guest. And yeah, I tried my best. I, I, I obviously didn't want him to rag on the Maple Leafs, but just to get his perspective, tied into the buds, how they can't get over that hump when it matters most. And then you look at a team like Vegas, you know, and, and that's a unique thing to me, um, Matt, is I think oftentimes in the NHL, you like those teams that knock on that door and keep knocking and keep banging on that door. And then they finally push through like a perfect example is the Washington Capitals ditto for the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Leafs never really have been that team that go to conference finals or second rounds and say, Hey, we're, we're not going to be stopped finally. Right. And I think they can learn quite a bit from Vegas here. I think they can. And I like that you mentioned Washington as well. And that's the example that Austin Matthews has repeatedly used. He said it to me before that, you know, you're, you you can't do it until suddenly you can. And there is something to be said about the randomness of hockey and the Florida Panthers are a prime example as well. When the president's trophy barely make the playoffs this year, they almost go all the way. And sometimes like in the case of the Capitals, you keep so much of your core group intact and suddenly a team that hadn't been out of the second round goes all the way and they haven't done anything since it just, the stars align. So that would be the argument for keeping the core together because sometimes it is just about the randomness. Maybe the Leafs finally don't run into a hot goaltender. I'm not sure. I still personally think they need to add heavy skill. That's the term I've been throwing around all year. And what I mean by it is heaviness that can play in the top six in the forward group, in the top four. So yes, that would include on D re-signing Luke Shen, but I think you need a Tom Wilson type. You need to have someone that plays on one of the top two lines that has the heaviness that you get from the Anola Chari in the bottom six. You need that in your top six a player who can score and be an intimidator. So to me, that's the missing piece. If they can add that this off season, you never know what happens next spring. You never know. But of course, that's where the consternation stems from in this market. It's like you have half the Leafs nation saying, let's keep everything intact. Let's go with the core four. You have the other you know, side saying, this is lunacy. Like you're doing the same thing over. I mean, this is madness. So that's what I think they have to wrestle with internally. And I think the wrench throwing in all this is obviously Sheldon Keefe and that whole situation and Brad Tree living coming in as the GM. Like we all expected Kyle Dubas to be this guy to make this brass decision. And the unfortunate part, it's like not getting that sequel to that movie that you're expecting, right? Where at the end of the year, Dubas comes out. He shouldn't have been there from all accounts, comes out and said, you know, first time ever pretty much indicates that he's open to anything, right? And you never see what happens in the end. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. It's funny because in Dubas's case, he was someone getting close to the end of his rope and willing to do anything. Whereas Tree Living, there's almost a mentality of, I don't want to come in and do anything crazy immediately and then have that define me. So ironically, even though Tree Living was more of the cowboy in his tenure with Calgary, he might be coming in to be a little more conservative. And that does include, I'm glad you mentioned Sheldon Keefe. That's an interesting storyline to watch in the coming weeks. To me, it seems like they're going to give him a little bit of runway because I think a lot of the coaching market has already sort of dried up because there's been so many hires and I don't know what the best external candidate would be at the moment. So I'm wondering if 
with Sheldon Keefe. You keep him next year, but you bring in someone who could breathe down his neck a little bit and also be ready to step in in case anything goes wrong. So maybe it's a Bruce Boudreaux uh-huh. that you have on that bench. And then if the Leafs are 500 in November, you know what to do. You pull that switch. I was going to say, there's somebody who gets quite frequently on this show who would love to coach the Toronto Maple Leafs and his name is Bruce Boudreaux. But again, let's not forget Spencer Carberry's gone. He's in Washington. They get, they got to get somebody to run that power play, man. This, this has been an evolving story for like 15 years now in Toronto. Who's running that power play and can they figure it out when it matters most in the postseason? That's right. And Spencer Carberry absolutely figured it out during the regular season. He did. Postseason. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's jitters. And also I think is the bad luck of Austin Matthews playing through various elements that don't make him as dangerous of a shooter. You could take your pick as to what happens. But to me, it's really, it goes back to the heavy skill thing. I think in the playoffs, you have to have the ability to push through the pain and push through the opposing checks and the clutches and grabs and all the things that don't get called in the playoffs that do get called in the regular season. So that's why you need that pushback. You need basically what Wayne Simmons was 10 years ago. Add that to your lineup. And I I think your power play can convert in the playoffs. Yeah, it's just so uniquely interesting because, again, if we had the answer, we probably would not be on this show. We'd be working somewhere and making a shit ton of money. But, like, everybody has their own reasoning why stuff's going to work. They know who's going to do it, whether it's Dubas or Brad Tree Living or Sheldon Keefe or somebody else to come in. So that's the fascination with this market. I just think we're waiting for a bomb to drop. It just has that feel. I don't know why I had that same feeling when we were waiting for the Dubas announcement and that bomb dropped. I just think something substantial is going to happen that we do not expect. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for making some time for me today. Uh, we'll touch base, I'm sure, uh, on Lower Broadway and Music City, okay? You bet. It's been a pleasure, and I'm sure we'll have fun in Nashville. Let's hope we make it back alive. I might have to summon you because I am doing the show. I don't know what bar we're doing the show from in Nashville, but I think I might have to summon you. I don't care if you had a couple drinks in you. It makes for better podcasting and better Uh, broadcast work in general. So thanks so much for this, buddy. That sounds fun. Thanks, buddy. There you have it, Matt Larkin. Uh, Many thanks to uh, Sean Burke, Director of Goaltending for the Vegas Golden Knights for stopping by, Producer Aaron as well. And everybody in the chat, I was sort of chuckling there at the end with Larks because there's some couple guys going back and forth and now the wives are involved. Like this chat is out of hand. It's a Friday chat for you. So we love you all. Have a great and safe weekend. And we'll talk on Monday. Carter Hutton is going to be my guest host coming up on Monday. So make sure to tune in for that get closer and closer to the NHL draft. Take care, everybody. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.